his car toppled, building and tired, just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter, if this nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me is my co-host, the gregarious Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing fan-damn-tastic. I am in a great mood. I don't know I don't know if it's just because I've had far too much Diet Mountain Dew or I'm just excited about doing listener feedback. I don't know, but I am just thrilled to be here. Now, why is it Diet Mountain Dew as opposed to just regular Mountain Dew? Because the amount of calories in a regular can of Mountain Dew and the okay. quantities I consume... Oh, I see. Okay, so it's... <laughs> all right, okay. ...would not be a good thing. Okay, all right. <laughs> Those are known as calorie bombs. Yes, actually. they are. Yes, yeah, sodas, are, sodas are, are bad. They're real bad. Which is exactly the kind of talk our listeners came here for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, it is another episode of Fire and Water. We are going to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart with our favorite match head, uh, Firestorm. And then we are going to jump into your feedback on our show we've done a few episodes without really doing a lot of feedback so we are going to talk about the things you've shared with us because you are the single best listening community of any podcast on the net you guys are fantastic if you're not familiar with the term we use the term nuclear sub which is sort of a a nice combination of firestorm and aquaman uh to represent uh the podcast together unified so Listeners of this show are known as listen, uh, as nuclear subs. So. And we don't call them fans of the show because you're not fans of the show. You're fans of the characters. We're all just part of this community together of matchheads and aquanauts. So we're thrilled to, to be here with you guys. Absolutely. And that's Rob. He's the talkative one. <laughs> Before we get going, uh, let's go ahead and give thanks to our sponsors. Uh, I'd like to give thanks to InStock Trades. If you're not familiar with it, InStock Trades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. What you got, Rob? Uh, yeah, I, for some reason I always feel compelled to explain why I come to the book I come to, but but uh, I could just pick something. But for some reason, 
I always want to give some reason. Anyway, uh, I've been reading a book all this week about uh, the World War II battle in the Ardennes Forest, uh, which was uh, one of the great battles of World War II. And that led me to, of course, Jack Kirby's The Losers, uh, which was done, put out by DC in a hardcover edition. This is, uh, let me read a little bit from the site. For the first time, Jack Kirby's Tales of World War II were collected in 1974. While Jack Kirby was hard at work on such mind-bending epics as Mr. Miracle and Commandy, he also created a series of stories that drew on his own experiences in World War II. Starring DC war heroes Johnny Cloud, Captain Storm, Gunner, and Sarge, this volume features stories in which the losers stop a German attack, attack using a tactic found in a comic book. German and American athletes who face each other at the 1936 Olympics in Berlin meet again on the field of combat and much more. Don't miss this amazing collection of tales from Our Fighting Forces 151 through 162, featuring a foreword by Neil Gaiman. Uh, 240 pages, full color, writer and artist Jack Kirby, featuring some art help by D. Bruce Berry and Mike Royer. Normal price is $39.99. In stock trades price is $23.19. That's 42% off. A very handsome volume featuring an amazing cover by Jack King Kirby. Jack Kirby's The Losers. Check it out. Awesome. And be sure to check out Rob's other podcast where he just reads entries from the Amazon um, <laughs> catalog pages as well. Those are lots of exciting. It's very there. exciting, yes. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll give my reason for picking my selection. It's because it's badass. That's why. I picked Superman, Batman, Saga of the Super Sons. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you were listening last week, Rob talked about this world's finest showcase he, he was digging, and it got me thinking about one of my favorite world's finest storylines, which was the saga of the Super Sons. It's these ridiculous stories about the sons of Superman and Batman hanging out and having adventures together, and they're trying to write them like cool teens, but the stories are just ludicrous. And I didn't know until today... That when I looked this book up, that they're written by Bob Haney. Are you really surprised? I, not even remotely. The minute I looked at it, I was like, of course they're written by Bob Haney. So I was actually so excited. I think from now on, this podcast is a place to celebrate Bob Haney. Oh, you know, yeah. Oh, I, I feel like we do celebrate Bob Haney. Because his stuff is just friggin' nuts. So anyway, uh, this collects <laughs> all their adventures together in one volume. I'm not going to read you the issue numbers. You can figure that out. There's a bunch of them. It's uh, written by Bob Haney, art primarily by Dick Dillon. Sweet. He has Murphy Anderson in there, some Vince Coletta, cover by Nick Carty. It's this great cover of them ripping through a poster of Superman and Batman. The thing is, they look just like Superman and Batman. So it's like you have to look at them and like, is Superman and Batman just kind of short, or what? What is they have sideburns now? What is that? Anyway, and there's always these funny stories about who's their moms. <laughs> like their moms are always like in the shadows. You can never see their moms. You know, you know, Superman Junior's mom's initials are LL. You know that kind of nuttiness. Anyway, so um, page count: 256 pages, full color. Normally goes for 19.99. You can get it for 42 percent off right now, which is a price of 11 dollars and 59 cents. What is a Deal. That is 256 pages of Bob Haney insanity. <laughs> That's like 256 pages, but then like 750 pages of inventiveness. Like <laughs> how many ideas he crammed into any given story? Pretty now, I haven't actually read this particular trade because I have most of these issues, but I really hope they include the, the final issue from the 70s where you find out where the Super Sons really came from. I know. <laughs> It's like a heartbreaker. You're like, oh, it really is. So anyway, go check that out, folks. Uh, again, over there on our sponsor, In Stock Trades. They are your best online source for trades, hard hardcovers, and other collected editions. 
all for up to 45% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. So get your losers, get your super sons, maybe pick up a first from an Aquaman trade. Bam, you're at 50 bucks, free shipping. Sweet. Done so. and done. Exactly. All right. Well, I want to take a few minutes out of the podcast to talk about uh, uh, not so much an announcement because the announcement has been made, but there is a new action figure coming our way this fall from Mattel in their what, – what's this line called? Because they've got some Aquaman figures. They're Total Heroes? Total Heroes. Yep. It's uh, sort of – they're not caricatures, but they're, they're sort of animated-looking versions of the characters. Like the Aquaman figure that's on the shelves right now, which I saw the other day, it looks like Aquaman, but it's almost like – a hybrid between a regular Aquaman figure and maybe a, a Batman Brave and the Bold figure? Yeah, I would say, say that exactly. Yes, I would describe it that way exactly. Like a half step between. So they look great, but they're also a little bit, you know, fun and cartoony. Well, coming this fall from Mattel in their Total Heroes line is going to be a Firestorm action figure. And this is uh, going to be an exclusive through their website, through the Maddie Collector Club. So we don't have all the details on getting it yet, but just watch Firestorm Fan. I'll give you the details as soon as I have it. Um, there's some belief you may have to join the Maddie Collector Club to get it. There's some belief that you don't have to, that that just allows you early access to the figure. Uh, we'll, we'll just keep you posted. Either way, this figure is so awesome. I am so in love with it. I mean, it's Firestorm's costume as he exists right now in, say, uh, Forever Evil or Justice League. So it's the current New 52 Firestorm. But he come. what I'm in love with are these accessories. <laughs> these things, I hear you laugh. These things are amazing. So you get, you get the figure. You also get four different hands to choose from. And I don't – he's already got two hands. So does that mean you get six hands? Nah. You probably just get four. Anyway, you get this atomic uh, nuclear – symbol wristband. Now, we've seen some of those in other Firestorm figures, so that's not new. But you get the nuclear symbol wristband to go on, like he's doing a, a blast. You get two interchangeable heads, so you can actually you can, I'm going to try that again, you can pop Ronnie's head right off, <laughs> and you can smack a Jason head on there. So, Ronnie's got the red cowl uh, of Firestorm. Jason's got a yellow cowl. So, and it looks like Jason, the new 52 Jason. Now, if you put it on this body, it doesn't quite look right because Jason didn't had a, Jason had an all yellow costume. But either way, you're, I'm never going to turn down a Jason Rush Firestorm head. That's awesome. So you can put on the Jason Rush head. You can take that off. When you're done with your Ronnie head and you're done with your Jason head, you can put on a Fury head. They got a head. Fury. Remember Fury was the thing that when Ron, in the new 52, when Ronnie and Jason would touch, as Firestorms, they would combine into this one gestalt being, this massive, like, nuclear hulk. So, again, Fury's head doesn't necessarily make sense on this, on this body either, but who cares? It's so much fun. Now, here comes the best part. You thought all that was good, right? No, I'm not done. No, no, no. Here comes the best part. There is an attachment which goes on the backside of Firestorm to his shoulder. It's this little gray piece that comes up from his shoulder and sneaks up around the back, and it, you can see it over his shoulder. And what is it, Rob? It's a Martin Stein head. It's a floating Martin Stein head. Oh, my God. They heard me. They heard our episode of the superpowers, and they heard my idea. Well, they also heard Dan Jurgen say it, too, to be fair. He said it, too. Did he? Yeah. When did he? Because when... you were, like, trying to break your own arm, patting yourself on the back when he had the same idea. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, it's this, it's gray to look ghostly, sort of you know wispy stuff came in, coming up from behind Firestorm, and then it forms at the end of this <laughs> Professor Stein head, and he looks so good. You know, it's, it's just this gray color, but you can clearly make out his glasses, his nose, his widow's peak. I mean, it's awesome. Oh, he's got these sullen <laughs> cheeks. I'm so excited. I think I can. T- yeah, I think we all can tell. 
Well, I love Professor Stein. I absolutely love Professor Stein. He's never had an action figure. Who, who would play with a Professor Stein action It's like, hey, look, I got my Professor Stein and my Ray Palmer action figures. Let's go make some science. You know, I mean, this is never going to happen. So this is the best thing for it. Oh, so excited. Can't wait. Whew, I need some air. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I'm happy because the Aquaman action figure features uh, card art by the boys, which is, which is very cool. I think this is the first time their stuff has been merchandised. Now, is it a stock picture from one of the books? It's or from is the it... cover to number one. Okay. Yeah. Not bad. No, yeah, it's great. Oh, I'm very – I mean I said at the, at the outset of that series that their stuff was so iconic that it was going to become like the next generation version of Aquaman stock art and that's coming mm-hmm. true. That's true. I wonder who, who they use for Firestorm stock art. It could be Jurgens. It might be uh, – could be the boys. could be any number of people. It would be interesting I to see. Jurgens would be a safe bet just because his work is I think perfect for that kind of thing. Yeah, but I mean, Finch has done some pretty cool stuff mm-hmm. with, it, with mm-hmm. him too, and Forever Evil. So it'd be interesting to see. Because oh, I'd love it if they put Professor Stein's head floating there too. <laughs> I'm just so excited about that. Anyway, uh, the Aquaman figure is in stores right now. Saw it at Toys R Us the other day. Yeah, yeah, it's out, and there's a Black Manta one coming soon, I think. Ooh, wow, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's a neat line. So, um, watch for that again. We'll put the details up on Firestorm Fan. Uh, and the Matic Collector details on how to get it, and believe me, I'm I am chomping at the bit for this thing. So, all right. Well, with that, I think it is time to do some listener feedback. That that had the echo on it, right? Uh, well, we'll see if I feel like putting that in. Probably not. <laughs> Damn it! Never get my way in these things. So, yeah. folks, <laughs> we are going to cover feedback going back uh, a little more than a month. And uh, we've got tons of stuff. I, I, I mentioned it before in the show. What we do is I go through our websites. I go through our email. I go through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr and Google Plus and pull together all these various comments about that you guys make about the show. Uh, I, I put it into one Word document. By the way, an easy way to help your stuff be found, if you're not posting directly on, like, say, our page or, um, on our, or whatever, use the hashtag pound fw podcast so pound fw podcast will make it easier to find your comments your fellow nuclear subs will find your comments that way they'll interact with you believe me they will share their mind and uh it makes for a lot of fun stuff so i put all this stuff in one document and i don't know what it how it formatted out in robs but i used really tiny print and small fonts the, the compressed fonts everything, and it's still this pay, this document's 24 pages long unbelievable you guys are absolutely amazing I swear. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going just gonna to jump right in here. Now, we're not going to be able to read, like, full letters, guys. Please understand that we're going we're gonna to try and hit every single person that left comments. And if we miss you, I apologize. I've done my best to pull all together. But we'll just kind of pick and choose, cherry pick some of the stuff. First thing I want to say is got a letter from Matthew McKinnon Gray. Uh, he was writing me about the, the casting of Caitlin Snow in the new Flash series. And he said, I've been listening to the Fire and Water podcast since the beginning, but I think this may be the first time I've emailed you. This podcast was the reason I picked up the new 52 Firestorm series and stuck with it until the end, despite a few rocky issues here and there. You're also the reason I bought the trade of the original Firestorm series that came out a few years ago. You guys even managed to make the Who's Who episodes enjoyable, which is quite an achievement given my deep, passionate hatred I, yeah, for DC well, I, Who's Who what is and that? all its incarnations, except for the Impact comics <laughs> too. Which, by the way, he did Impact with an exclamation point, so he gets props for that. I mean, i got to give him credit for that. But... Really? You Matthew, Matthew McKinney Gray is like Bizarro Who's Who fan. 
He like, li- he likes the version nobody likes and hates the ones everyone loves. Huh. Well, either way, thank you for your kind words. I'm sorry you're a little broken inside, but you know, <laughs> um, keep listening and uh, we appreciate it. So maybe we can heal some of that that, that emptiness in your soul. I don't know, man. That's what's <laughs> wrong matter with you. Uh, yes, we got an email from Michael Campochiaro. I think I said Ooh. that right. Thank you very much. I think that, I think that's the definition for. Uh, how to use black and white in film, but anyway, he writes, uh, hey, Ro- <laughs> hey, hey, Rob and Jack, loved your discussion of unsung heroes. That goes way back. And I enjoyed hearing about some other unsung heroes from your listeners in episode 77's listener feedback portion. I'm not sure if it's too late to submit my nomination for one more to add to the list, but hopefully not, especially because this one has an Aquaman connection. I hereby nominate the late, great Don Newton, probably best known for his work on Batman Detective Comics in the late 70s to early to mid-80s. Newton had a huge impact on this young comics reader back in the day. He and Gene Cullen were the artists in the Batman titles at the time when I first started reading comics, and both those guys blew my mind. And those issues were even written by the equally awesome Jerry Conway, and then one Woo-hoo. of my personal faves, Doug Menich. Doug Menich? 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 Uh, what a great introduction to comics. It wasn't until I was much older that I found out that, sadly, Newton passed away sometime around 1985. I was reading Batman at the time, but was young and wasn't aware of his death. Years later, I dug out my old issues and found a note from DC editorial in the letters page about Don's untimely death. I think he was only in his 40s or around 50. Very sad. In recent years, I discovered the Jim Apparel Aquaman run via the trade Death of a Prince. Lo and behold, Don Noon penciled several of those later issues in the trade. I'd, uh, I'd known for a long time that he drew Aquaman, but had never seen the issues with my own eyes. Um, yeah, it goes in a little bit more about the detail of Don Noon. Yeah, I think Don Noon was, was a well, I, I don't have to say, I think he was a great artist. He was a great artist. He was a superb artist. Uh, his command of the human form was, was was like second to none. And it is unfortunate. Yeah, he passed away. You know, uh, kind of just as comic book fandom was really starting to grow. So I think that he's sort of unjustly forgotten by a lot of fans, is because he just wasn't around. But he had a great run on, as uh, as uh, Mike points out, on on Batman, and I liked his Aquaman stuff. He, he wasn't on Aquaman that long. He drew the last couple issues of the first series, and then a couple installments in Adventure Comics. But uh, really good stuff. I mean, for a guy that was great at sort of moody, gritty stuff, he he handled undersea adventures very very well. So yeah, I I think Don Newton is a is a great pick for sort of an under unsung hero because he's a superb artist i love the whole unsung hero idea if you guys think of more unsung heroes keep sending that stuff in because there's so many different folks that we just you know you kind of take for granted or you don't think about so this is a good one very good suggestion yeah absolutely uh we got an email from patrick moe he has a couple of questions he gets into some details about asking me about uh ace kilroy which i won't bore everybody with here on the show but he does just ask about how i got out on comiXology well basically uh, Patrick, I just, you know, I put together the whole book on digitally anyway, and it's just a matter of sending the files over to Comixology. It takes forever for them to get it, like, up on the site. I think I submitted these books, like, in November, and they're just going up now. So uh, don't be in any hurry uh, if you want to work with Comixology. Uh, <laughs> but it is worth it in the long run. It is nice to see the books up there. So right now you can get two different editions of Ace Kilbury on Comixology, both of which Frank has not have not purchased yet. Uh, but uh, oh, what he hasn't, as far as I know. Uh, but but anyway, yeah, it's it's neat seeing it alongside all the other cool stuff. And you know that's how frequently people are buying comics nowadays is digitally on Comixology. So you know it, it, you got to get up there and be, be part of the whole comics world. So uh, 
so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very happy to see that the Ace Killroy is represented. You know, speaking of digital comics, I wish that DC would do like Marvel has. I don't know if you've seen this. Marvel's got a subscription service where you – I don't remember what it's called. Uh, J. David Weeder's always talking about it. Uh, it. You Basically, you pay a lump sum, and you have access to basically their entire digital catalog, or at least some chunk of their digital catalog for like a year or whatever it is. And you can sit there and read 20 years of X-Men. Or 20 years of Avengers or whatever. Because Marvel really was on the forefront of getting their catalog digitalized. And so, you know, I don't think, like, the brand new issues are in there. I think it's like, you know, there's a there's a waiting period or something for that stuff. But you can read their entire old catalog. And the only limitation is how fast you want to read. That's interesting. And I didn't know I would that. love to be able to sit down and do – you know, it probably hurts their trade paperback sales, I imagine. But Marvel's more focused on current trades, I think. To be fair, then DC does a lot more of the older trades. So, anyway, I, I would just love that service. I think that'd be great. I'd sit there and read the hell out of some of those old world's finest. So, um, heard from our buddy Derek Crab. I got this is this is getting into like reference of a reference of a reference, but I got to do it. When I talked about Justice League three thousand and my passion for that series, which by the way I've I've read up to issue three and I'm still loving it. I still am holding out my hope that my little theory that they're secretly legion, a legion of heirs that have been genetically reprogrammed is still holding out. We don't know yet. But anyway, I threw a reference out there. I said, it's sort of like what happened to Rhinox in Beast Wars and Beast Machines. And then I jokingly – you went, huh? And I jokingly <laughs> said, two people are going to get that. Well, sure enough, I heard from – no kidding – Two people who got that joke. <laughs> uh, or reference, I should say. Derek Crabb was one of them. Thank you very much. And Justin Clark was the other. So it cracked me up. It was exactly two people that caught that reference. <laughs> anyway, uh, Derek also took the time to give us his review of the JLA Trapped in Time DVD. Thank you for that. So uh, I still haven't got a chance to watch it, but everybody keeps right in and it sounds like it's going to be really good. I'm going to have to check it out. It's a ton of fun. Heard from uh, Little Russell Burbage from Littleville, Wyoming. Uh, talking about Justice League 3000, he said, I won't be picking up JLA 3000 for three reasons. One, I'm not a fan of Keith Giffen's writing. Two, there is no Aquaman. And three, I'm boycotting any future scenario that isn't the Legion. I do hope you're right and they turn out to be connected to the Legion, though. Keep us updated. I will do uh, a little Russell Burbage. I will do that. He also wrote in about Firestorm number seven. That was uh, We covered that issue recently. That was the one with Plastique that universally... Everyone loves that issue. They think it's a solid issue of Firestorm. Probably one of the best out there. And Russell is a sad, sad little man inside uh, for some reason. And he says, as for Firestorm number seven, well, I can't speak for 12-year-old fanboys, but this middle-aged man found it pretty badly done. Sorry, Shag. Sure, the main plot of Die Hard in a newspaper building is exciting. I agree with you both that the drama shared between Professor Stein and Ronnie over whether they should reveal their identity to save the world is done very well. And I have no complaints about the art. In fact, I think, this, I think I bought this issue back in the day because of Pat Project's art. However, all the little bits of the issue just made me mad. A few examples. Firestorm posing for five pages almost gets dozens of people killed. Let's face it. In his face-off with the in- initial terrorist, Firestorm's an idiot. Speaking of the male terrorist, terrorist, why is he masked and hiding his identity while Plastique flaunts her name and face, among other things? <laughs> all right. Russell, do you really need to ask that question? Anyway, uh, it doesn't make sense. Next on page eight, writer Jerry Conway gets away with two, count them, two shortcuts in his narration. He uses the theatrical contrivance of the scene as he explains where we are. Editor Jerry Conway shouldn't have allowed him to get away with this silly verbiage, especially since we can tell where we are in both cases without any help from the narrator anyway. As the story ends, Ronnie and his dad making up, sorry, this type of melodrama isn't my cup of tea. 
Woof, man. I think, honestly, that is the only negative review of Firestorm number seven I've seen. I retroactively hate the book now. I, I, I actually set it on fire uh, <laughs> when I read his review. Um, I'm going to take the episode no, I mean, out of the feed. No, I, <laughs> in all honesty, Russell, thank you for the honest feedback. I appreciate it. We need to see contrary opinions from time to time, and everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Yours just happens to be wrong. <laughs> uh, and on that note, uh, we got an email from David David M. Gutierrez. Uh, he wrote, Shag and Aquafan, love the Kubert School story. That's a, fan- that's a fantastic opening story, Rob. I shouldn't have started that one because none of them are as good after that one. <laughs> it, is, it was a really um, <laughs> good Kubert School story. He says, you've set quite the standard for future tales. So this might seem dry to you. What was the curriculum like? Were there specialties in coursework, coloring, penciling, inking, etc.? And a bladed congrats on your first published work. Uh, that JL Antarctica story is one of my favorites. Why are you slumming it with this shag fellow? Uh, that's, that's a good question, David. Uh, short answer, yes. Uh, everything at Kubert was broken down into individual disciplines. There was comic art. There was a coloring class. There was a painting class. There was a graphic design class. And it was over t- – like I'd say in terms of um, how many were comic book focused and how many were other – other fields of art focused it was kind of like a 710 split there were 10 courses a week so it was like a 710 split and it was the kind of thing that over time i realized that i was better at the non-comic book ones and all the other guys were better at the comic book ones you know they they didn't really care about the graphic design class they just wanted to draw batman and <laughs> and i was the other way around i was like i can't draw batman worth of shit but i'm really good at like coming up with uh you know, like a Macy's shopping bag for Christmas. So that was one of my graphic, one of my graphic design courses. So you know that that sort of set the tone over over time is that my uh, my skills were better served in other places. But that's basically how it was. That's that's sort of what it was. And uh, in third year, we were taught by Joe Kubert himself. So that was really what was that like? Intimidating, intimidating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was very nice. I mean, he's a very nice guy. But it's, you know, it's Joe Kubert. <laughs> like, Did you say was he was he a warm man? Um. Yes, he kept a certain distance. You couldn't goof with him the way he goofed with some of the other guys. Because, but again, he was Joe Kubert. You know what I mean? Um, like I remember, we we uh, our the school was um, like the main floor was raised up off the ground, and mm-hmm. we we were on the second floor. So we were like, oh no no no, I'm sorry, we were on the first floor. But the first floor, if you went out the window, was like a good ten fifteen feet off the ground, and we. Me and a bunch of my other buddies from Cubert, we posed. We always, of course, posed for funny pictures. And one of them was we grabbed one of our friends, Miguel, and we made it look like we were pushing him out the window. Uh huh. So we had some photos where he's dangling out the windowsill, and he literally dangled out the windowsill. And then we had him go outside and jump up in the jump up in the air, so it looked like he was falling. Mm-hmm. And I later used those photos in a collage. And when Joe Cubert saw it, he's like, oh, "You guys were lucky. I wasn't here that day." Wow. Okay. So, you know, I mean, he's the guy that ran the school. He couldn't be too silly. But but he was warm. He was warm. He was always very, uh, when when criticizing your work, he was always very gentle about it. So, but it was still terrifying because it's, again, it's Joe Kubert. And there's your tales from the uh, Cuber School Volume 2 right there. There, there we go. <laughs> uh, David continued in. He said, here's my shag-centric question, brought on by Firestorm's refusal to be interviewed by Ronnie's reporter dad. Does Firestorm physically favor Ronnie or the professor? He was taller than the two and certainly more athletic than the professor, but who did he resemble? Was he Ronnie, only with a flaming head and pupil-free eyes? Or was he an amalgam of the two? 
Also, was there any indication if he sounded like Ronnie or the prof, or did he have a voice of his own? Specifically, before he became the elemental, when he was merged with that Russian dude, did he, oh, and then when he was merged with that Russian dude, did his face change? All right, so um, I did had to do a little research on this to answer David's question. Does does Firestorm resemble Ronnie or the Professor? I my take on it. I mean, it's impossible to tell from the art, but my take on it has always been that Firestorm's face was more of an amalgam between the two. Or at least a generic face that is not Ronnie's face, it's not the professor's face, it's some some other, you know, face representative of either both of them or neither of them. Either way, I didn't see it as Ronnie with flaming hair and white eyes. I never saw it that way. And you're right, the size does change. As Firestorm, he, he becomes a little bit taller than both Ronnie and Professor's time. He gains more weight, so he becomes a little more bulky. Uh, obviously, the eyes go white and the hair... You know, there's like that whole fire thing going on. So I would say he doesn't actually resemble either. Now, per superpowers, Galactic Guardians, the voice does remain the same. Uh, that was another one of your questions. Did the voice remain the same? In Galactic Guardians, we just watched recently on one of our shows, yes. Cyborg, Cyborg actually recognizes Firestorm by his voice. Awful convenient that Mark no oh, was it Mark Noble? Was that his name? Did both. So, uh, you know, or Mark Noble Taylor, I think that's his name. Anyway, um, now... When he merged with the Russian dude, as you put it, did his face change? Yes. Firestorm's appearance did change. He actually lost a lot of his uh, features. He became sort of, not bland is the wrong word, but he became very much a blank slate. So he lost a lot of detail. His costume became a little more vague. He became taller and skinnier. So, yeah, I would say his face actually changed some more then. I think it's a fascinating question. I could actually talk about this for a long time, but I should probably shut up now. <laughs> Is that that's the Mandrake era, right? Yes. Uh, right. No, Mandrake came later. Oh, Mandrake the, was later. The Russian, okay. the Russian dude would be the Brazowski era. Okay. All right. Okay. Yep. Got it. Uh, we he sent us a. Uh, oh, we got. I'm sorry. I'm jumping around. We got an email from Lucian Dezar, Shark Boy. Uh, he wrote, "Shag and Rob, <laughs> great show number seventy nine. It went by so, which was the um, Galactic Guardians commentary episode." It went by so quickly, but it brought back a lot of memories when I watched the show back in the 80s. Is there any chance you could do an episode from the Aquaman series to balance out this episode's Firestorm episode? Fan of Flame and Ride the Wave. Uh, yeah, we have – I mean there are, as uh, someone else points out in a later letter, decades of episodes to go over if we were wanted to do it. I mean we could convert the whole show just to commentaries of Super Friends episodes <laughs> if we wanted to. Uh, I think we're going to jump around a bit. I'm not going to get st- stick to one series. And, I, you know, I don't – I'm not that concerned about it being, you know, Aquaman heavy and then Firestorm heavy. You know, it's okay to jump around. Aquaman really kind of got short shrift generally in the Super Friends. Yeah. So it's always going to be, a, you know, tilted towards Firestorm in, the, in that regard. But we'll try and balance that out a little bit. I would love to talk about the Filmation series too. That would be a lot of fun. But we'd have to do a bunch of them all at once because those episodes are only like seven minutes each. Yeah. Well, I think so. that's what he's asking for. I think right. he's asking for the Filmation. Yeah. Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas. That's my first Aquaman. That's my first ever Aquaman I ever saw. So, yeah, I would love to really? see those. Yeah, they ran them as reruns when I was a kid, and that's the one I remember. That and Super Friends, obviously. Yeah. The, 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 the filmation ones are the ones I remember the most distinctly. Man, that'd be sweet. I would love to. You know what? We're, yeah, we're definitely going to do some more comment. We got a very, very positive feedback yeah. on this. Yep. I mean, just lots and lots of uh, either actual comments or just likes and things like that. So uh, I think you'll definitely be hearing more commentary stuff in the future. And as Rob said, we'll jump around. So yep. we'll have some fun with it. Uh, we heard from our buddy Sean Corey. He's, uh, he, like many people, chastised us because uh, we admitted that we're not watching the show Arrow. 
So I actually purposely spent about five minutes in the room tonight while my wife and stepson were watching Arrow tonight. They were watching something from season one. It had, well, I guess I shouldn't say because it might spoil stuff for people, but it had another archer in there that was on Torchwood. Let's just leave it that way. Um, <laughs> cause that doesn't give the whole thing away. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I made a five minute effort and I had to leave. Um, the acting was so over the top. It was great. It's just a bunch of people emoting and looking at the camera, a bunch of pretty people looking stressed. Um, anyway, he says, you guys need to start watching Arrow. It's awesome. And you know, Shag is going to want to check out Flash when it starts and you have to watch Arrow episodes first. Oh, you uh, watch the first episodes. uh, Pretty much origin occurs there. So get on it and I'm taking away or I'm taking away your DC fanboy cards. So he can't do that. He, you can't take away our DC fanboy cards. You're not, you're not allowed to do that. So it, it just it just got real in here apparently. So Rob Rob got a little ruffled there. Hey, I've been reading comics longer, so you can't. Um, you can they can only be taken away by someone who's been reading comics longer than you have. I, I, okay, but the man does run a Captain Carrot blog and a DC Access blog, so you got to give him. I mean, he's he's a hardcore guy, right? I'm not there. saying he's not. I'm just saying he, I think Sean is younger than me. So and younger than you, because you and I are around the same age. Uh, You're older, for the record. Okay, all right. How old? How, all right, never mind. All right. We're not doing this. <laughs> you and I are, are. You and I are around the same age. I believe Sean is younger, and I'm saying that you, anyone younger, cannot take away a geek card for someone who's been reading comics longer. That's but if role. we betray the tenets of our role as geeks, uh, yeah, he has the right to do it. It's just like any time, you know, most of the times when I think, when I'm listening to you, I just think, okay, give me your man card, Rob. Just just give it over. What? You know. <laughs> Moving on, we heard from Kyle Benning. <laughs> yeah, I like your little squeaky voice. Thank you. Well-timed. Heard from Kyle Benning um, when we're talking about Firestorm number seven. He said, I actually forgot that Firestorm transmuted plastics clothes, leaving her nude. I even reread this issue about a year ago, and for some reason that didn't stick with me. I guess I was too caught up in the tension of the issue. Honestly, I, that's about the only thing I do remember from that issue personally. That's a shag. But anyway, there's just something about this time period at both Marvel and DC that every issue they managed to capture that tension and interest unlike they do today. Conway was the master at introducing tension and resolving it in one-and-done format. I'd be interesting, it'd be interesting to hear Conway's take on his body of work. I wonder where he... I wonder where he ranks his stuff on Firestorm quality-wise compared to his run on Spider-Man and Justice League. Uh, obviously, I think most people would agree that his single best um, single best issue and perhaps the single greatest comic issue of all time is Justice League number 200. Yep. But I'd say that his run in Firestorm might be better than his Justice League run, and that only edged out by his Spider-Man run, which included Death of Gwen Stacy and Introduction of Punisher. I'm sure my fondness of this era of Firestorm makes me a little biased, as his Justice League run was pretty incredible. But I'm just curious how Jerry thinks they stack up against each other. Well, I don't know if we get an exact answer to that very question, but you can check out a couple different places for some feedback on Jer- what Jerry thinks of some of his career. We did a, uh, I did an interview with Jerry a couple years ago. Actually, I've done a few interviews. But one particular just about Firestorm, you can find that uh, in the feed for this show. I want to say it was episode 19, I Correct. think, was the, inter- was the interview with Jerry Conway. Also, Michael Bailey and I did a couple there, over there on Views from the Long Box. You can check those out as well. And... If you want, uh, Roger Preeb, who's another one of our listeners, put together a DVD. I'm, I'm not sure, and based on some of the comments going back and forth, I don't know if it's actually out for general release yet or not, but he's done a DVD, like a three-hour interview with Jerry. It's unbelievable. So check that out. Um, we'll, you know, I'll put a link in the show notes to his website because uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I feel bad. I should have been a little more prepared for that. Anyway, it's a great interview with Jerry Conway. We've talked about it here on the show before. Definitely worth checking out. And uh, one more comment on issue number eight. 
of Firestorm when I talked about he put the lizard in um, the popcorn and caused a riot in the theater. I'm sorry, Cliff. Uh, I started calling Cliff Clavin again. Cliff Carmichael basically caused a riot. He said, I want to punch Cliff right in the face. He's a giant D-bag. Is it okay to yell in a theater? Is it okay to yell theater in a crowded firehouse? Uh, glad to have you back in the Doreen Day Sucks Club El Presidente shag. <laughs> yes, uh, Doreen Day is no longer. Uh, she, she had a free pass in 2014, and she lost it in less than a month. So hmm. there we go. Heard from our buddy Ange. Uh, he says, I'm glad you name-checked Argus, Shag. And he's talking about Forever Evil Argus. I've really liked that book. It reads like Ostringer's Suicide Squad a little. And you're right. These are anti-heroes doing good for their own reasons. Steve Trevor is a simple Rick Flag equivalent. And Vibe was – oh, and this is separately. And Vibe was a great book with an idealistic hero trying to figure out his place in the world. Yeah, two books that I definitely recommend you check out. Sterling Gates is, is so good. I'm, I'm totally enjoying his work right now. And then one last thing from our buddy Ange. Uh, we were talking about the Galactic Guardians. He's, uh, we talked about in the credits, we noticed Jeff Darrow's name, which really kind of surprised both of us. And he wrote, well, Jeff Darrow's an interesting name. I also saw that Mike Vosberg is listed as well. Vosberg is another comic artist who I know best for his work in the 70s Starfire comic, which he did review for, by the way, over on dcbloodlines.blogspot.com, and for later issues of American Flag. He's semi-well-known for his beautiful women, so maybe he had a hand in the vivacious Wonder Woman in this episode. I'm a sucker for DC's 70s um, sword and sorcery books, so Vostog and Star- Starfire remain sentimental favorites. And apparently we're going to enjoy Starfire's Who's Who page when we get to the S issue. That'll yeah. be fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, email from Count Druncula uh, regarding uh, Justice League 3000. Quote, Superman is a dick. Batman is always in his face. Wonder Woman is a savage warrior who lives to fight. The Flash is the only nice guy on the team, unquote. Wait, are you sure you're describing JLA 3K? That sounds, a, <laughs> that sounds a lot like the regular Justice League book, which sounds a lot like Injustice. The dark alternative take on familiar characters doesn't work when they're no longer alternative because the mainstream is as dark as can be. Good point, Count Chocula. Good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, he has a comment here also that says, thanks for introducing me to the non-podcast as well as the Sympathy for Blue Devil blog and a whole lot more in this episode. Great stuff from and for the community. Just want to point out, yeah, there was, if you haven't listened to episode 77 of the show, you may want to go back and check it out. Throughout the episode, we're sort of name-checking everyone who left comments and where you can find their uh, their presence on the web, whether it be podcasts and blogs and all this stuff. And I have been shocked by how many positive comments we've gotten from that i mean everyone just seems to really be happy we did that and they're discovering each other's sites and it's uh i i think it's great i didn't realize that y'all didn't know all the other i guess because we're so involved in it we know what everyone does and uh y'all didn't necessarily know what other sites everybody runs and uh, it's very cool glad to see you guys get together and connect absolutely Heard from Tim Wallace. Uh, he said, I like this episode. Okay, I like them all. And not just because of the plug. Checks in the mail, guys. But it was cool to hear about everyone else. Oh, here it is right here. <laughs> Sorry. It's cool to hear about everyone else's blogs and podcasts, too. I knew about a few of them, but now I know more. And we all know that knowing is half the battle. And rest assured, I'll be adding them to my links on my own page, listening to the podcast, and killing time in, uh, at work surfing some new sites. The main reason that got read, by the way, folks, is because he put in knowing is half the battle. So uh, <laughs> you just got to know which buttons to push with me. Uh, we heard from our buddy Diablo Frank. Uh, he wrote us a few dissertations, and in one of them here, he says um, – now, this is interesting, Rob. This is directed at you, but I, I think it fits for our discussion. When we talked about the Justice League War DVD, and then we talked about the next Justice League Throne of Atlantis DVD, right. 
you were sort of expressing concern because you felt like Jeff Johns had said there would be an Aquaman uh, solo movie. Right. And you were sort of expecting an Aquaman solo movie rather than a Throne of Atlantis movie, and you were kind of expressing you weren't happy about that. But I like his take on this here. He goes, I don't see how doing an Aquaman movie and adapting Throne of Atlantis are mutually exclusive. It actually explains why he was replaced by Shazam in Justice League War. If you look at the Flashpoint paradox, you have an alternative universe story with a large recognizable cast, but the Scarlet Speedster is unquestionably the main character. It seems to me that DC could combat the trend of people cherry-picking their releases by establishing a film-to-film continuity that forces the audience to buy each installment to complete the set. Aquaman could have his origin told at length, which would lead to his encountering Ocean Master and being introduced to the League in a new post-paradox DC animated universe through Throne of Atlantis. That way, it builds up Aquaman to the audience without relying on him to carry the weight of an entire production. I think that's, I think that's exactly what's going on here. When, he said, when Jeff John says there's an Aquaman film, I think what he meant was it's Throne of Atlantis. And I think, like he said, here, what Frank suggested here, is that's how they're going to sell future films. Rather than having a Green Lantern film and a Wonder Woman film, it's going to be Justice League, Amazon's Attack, or, you know, or whatever. So, and it makes sense. It's going to get people to pick it up who might just go, oh, I'm going to skip that one and that one. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Uh, and I probably, it's probably the, the correct way to go. I still would like to see Aquaman by himself. You know, not having to share any screen time with Superman or Batman or whatever. But no, that, everything Frank, everything Frank said makes a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, if, if Aquaman gets to be the star of it, then fantastic. That's uh, all to the good. Yeah, it's really weird that we, that whole thing we just had was incredibly civil, and we said Frank was right a lot. That's a little disturbing. Right. Uh, broken very... clock is right twice a day. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm going to mispronounce some things here, but he talks about Plastique in Firestorm. He goes, hey, an issue of Firestorm that I currently own, have read, and liked. Those aren't as common for me as the one um, as one would hope. Plastique is like a gender-flipped alternative universe, Batroc Zelepir. She's still a ridiculously broad, francophobic caricature who's deceptively formidable, but Plastique is much more threatening. Also, I doubt any girls ever found the master of Savate, as sexy as us boys find Betty Sansucci. This story won a coveted consciousness award for its in-depth look into the cruel face of Quebec sovereignty movement as it stood in 1982, only nearly a decade after legit scary terrorist stuff had been snuffed out. Quote, this issue, Plastique will have a referendum on political sovereignty with economic association to Canada, or she'll demand a constitutional classification written in blood. I think George Lucas read that issue and he's like, this would make a good prequel. This kind there of, it is. This kind of political detail. This is going to be great. <laughs> People are going to eat this up. That and, ooh, spinning. That's a neat trick. Um, heard from our buddy Luke Giaconetti. He, uh, he went on a rant here. He even put in quotes, old man rant. When I first got into comics, one of the reasons why I was drawn to first Uncanny X-Men and then Avengers was the long-running nature of the series meant that it mattered. The stories inside were contiguous, and the ups and downs of the team, the comings and goings, were important. Now, with four Justice League books, and I can't even tell you how many Avengers books, none of it really matters because the team books now serve either, one, the book where a big fight happens, stories, or B, the driver for the next big event. Marvel's especially been guilty of this one. Um, Luke, you are dead on, my friend. It is very hard to keep up with four Justice League books. And specifically, Avengers... 
I've been reading Avengers since I think 1992. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, that's what 20 plus years. <laughs> I, you know, I I take a break once in a blue moon, but I always came back within a month or two. Um, I actually stopped about a year ago with Avengers because simply there were too many books and I couldn't even tell them apart anymore. Just like you said, none of them mattered because whoever the next writer was, was just going to reform the team anyway. And any character development that happened for the most part seemed to be completely ignored except for Luke Cage who seemed to get some good development going. But it was, um, it, it's, I, I like, I look through the previous catalog now and all the different Avengers books. And seriously, I don't know. I swear there's like 20. I, I, I can't make head or tail of it. Like, and I sit there and think, okay, no, wait a minute. I made it through at least half of the nineties buying every X-Men title out there. All right. Oh my God. And I, well, I guess I didn't buy like Gambit and Cable, but That's I bought still you know, a lot of comics. What about X-Men? Uh, well, I didn't, I said about halfway through the nineties, not all the way, but anyway, I bought X-Men and uncanny X-Men and, you know, uh, X-Force and X-Factor. I mean, and new means I, I knew the differences. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, Am I just being an old man complainer saying, ah, these kids today with all their funky comics, it doesn't make any sense to me? Or am I legitimately just like, whoa, I can't tell the difference between the all-new Avengers and the new New Avengers and the... Secret Avengers. The Secret Avengers and the Uncanny Avengers and, oh, it, adjective Avengers. I mean, there are Avengers AI. I mean, there's so many... Like, seriously, it's, I, I can't even, like, look at it. It's just so many. It makes me sick. I can't even figure it out because Wolverine's, I think, on all the teams. Um, anyway, I, I'm totally with you, brother. I feel it. I feel your pain, Luke. I really do. Sorry. I went on a little rant myself there. So I think it is uh, a fairly recent development that there is no top limit anymore for how many books you can put out of a certain character. They didn't, yeah. didn't used to be like that. I mean, pretty much Marvel and Marvel is the Avengers and DC is Batman. Yeah, you, you know, know that's pretty true. I mean, just, they, in the, not that long ago, putting out a new Batman series was a big deal. You know, like when they did Legends of the Dark Knight. This was like, oh yeah, this was the first new Batman solo Batman book, and you know, ever. And now, you know, there's fifty of them. You know, so yeah, I think that that is a. There, you would think that you would saturate that market, but apparently you can't. Yeah, I mean, I think the first time I noticed it from Marvel was Deadpool. When Deadpool right, had like yeah. four or five ongoing series on the shelf at one time, I'm like, or maybe somewhere on some some mini series, but he had like four or five titles in one month. I'm like, what? Yeah, really? The guy Rob Liefeld made up? You know? Um, all right, we heard from our buddy Siskoid. All right, Siskoid says, uh, I liked Aquaman 27 in large part because Arthur acts, talks, and he's treated like a hero. The mm. death of the monster weighs on him, but doesn't deter him. He drops his trident, and a normal citizen hands it back to him. It's a Spider-Man movie moment. Good stuff. Peltier still needs to do the entire thing. I agree mm-hmm. with that. And now, then, oh, yeah. I'm going to read this next bit before you get to your bit. Because they're all, they're all tied together. I'm reading okay. stuff in the middle. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce all of this, and he's giving me pronunciation guides, folks, but I'm going to do my best. Because this, this goes back to the Quebec issue in Firestorm number 7. So I kept saying Quebecese meaning referring to people in Quebec. He says Quebecer would be a more common usage. Uh, in French, and that's, um, and that's used in English Canada as well as when people are trying to be respectful, it's Québécois, which blows my mind. Uh, Plastique, a character I've always had mixed feelings about. On the whole of it, I do love her. She's a rare Canadian character, even if she doesn't consider herself Canadian. French-Canadian to boot. She's gorgeous. She's one of Firestorm's best and most exportable villains. I definitely liked her as Captain Adam's Catwoman. 
That's an interesting way to call her that too. I like that. Anyway, uh, but most all, let me see, uh, Quebecois characters have ties to the FLQ, which is the Quebecois Liberation Front, a short-lived terrorist cell that forced Canada to call for martial law in October 1970. My parents have this story about my my conception happening as mailboxes were exploding outside (laughs) in Quebec City. Wow. Northstar also has ties to the FLQ. The separatist movement is still alive as well, but not violent. So Plastique is really a throwback to an earlier era. See, I didn't know that history going in. No, me neither. All right, so there you go. So then he jumps up and he says, You can laugh, Rob, but the sale of lumber to the U.S. is a major sticking point over here. I guess because of the low tariffs or whatever. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but my stepfather was a woodcutter, so I heard about it. Here, the, the, there's the question of paper mills, too, so it may be a question of U.S. business polluting Canada slash Quebec. Though a separatist, sorry, a sovereignist would be the more PC term. The real issue is about how Canada makes deals with the U.S. against the better interests of some provinces, including Quebec. Just to be clear, I was not laughing at the at Plastique's mission, the, like the, the uh, importance of it. I just thought it was funny that normal superheroes, supervillains, have such titanic goals, which are like conquering the universe or destroying the world. And, and Plastiques is so focused. That's what I thought was funny. But no, 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 I was not actually mocking the, the issue. I think that's actually very interesting and another nice little bit of um, uh, verisimilitude for Jerry Conway to take like a real-life issue and make that part of the character's backstory. I think that's like retroactively really impressive. It, it is very cool. Unfortunately, as a lot of people have joked, it's like it was 10 years too late. But still, uh, at the time when he wrote it in 82. But either way, I think it's great. I love the idea that someone is concerned about and, – and, and I don't want to call it a small issue because it's not. But as you said, on a scale of you know super powerful – On a supervillain scale, it's a tiny yeah, thing. Yeah. There you go. So, But it's a very real thing. So I, I dig it. The more I think about it, the more I learn about it actually, the more I fascinated him about it. Yeah. So. And he says, my other problem with plastique is, you guessed it, the French. Like other French speakers in comics, when French is, uh, isn't is outright maligned, or mangled, I'm sorry, it's written in Parisian, never French-Canadian. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Um, he asked a question here. I mentioned, you know, again, uh, Cliff Carmichael dropped a lizard in Ronnie's popcorn in issue number eight of Firestorm. And Cisco had asked, how easy is it to get a lizard in New York? That's a pretty elaborate prank. <laughs> well... I just say, uh, go watch Amazing Spider-Man. That'll answer your question, my friend. You can get anything in New York. <laughs> we heard from James, uh, just identified himself as just James, uh, on the Galactic Guardians commentary. He said, um, he says, I know, oh, okay, real quick, by the way, we got comments from two two people, James and, I'm going to, hmm, Zum Yukonori? Yes, great, I love it. You think so? Yeah, I think it's right. Okay, cool. Both of them commented, because I, I was talking about Professor Stein when we watched the episode. I said, hey, Rob, do you know who Professor Stein's voice is? I said he's Olen Sol, who did the Batman voice in previous seasons of Super Friends, and now he was doing Professor Stein. And I was all excited about that. Well, turns out I was wrong. Olen Sol did the voice of Professor Stein in the Superpowers Legendary Oh, what is it? Legendary Super Friends? <laughs> the season before. The yes. first season with Firestorm. Is, shut up. The one with Rubik the Amazing Cube, I'm pretty sure. It was Super Friends, the Legendary Superpowers team. That's what it was. Anyway, he, uh, Olin Sol was Professor Stein in that season. In the second season, uh, uh, Zum says he thought, thinks it's Ken Sansom. So, either way, 
I really appreciate both James and Zum's comments. Um, I appreciate their incredible attention to detail. Good on you guys. Um, and you know what? The fact that people care who voiced Professor Stein just, I think, totally rocks. Uh, Zum, by the way, asks for a whole episode of the commentary by Darkseid. So I don't know if you could maintain that for your throat for the whole half hour, but that would be fun to do. Darkseid shall enjoy the Super Friends. That would be great. A whole, I don't know, about 23 minutes of that, but it would be kind of cool. <laughs> Maybe you should give it a shot. Uh, we got an email from Earth to Chris, my buddy. Uh, he writes, Firestorm number seven was reprinted in Best of DC Blue Ribbon Digest number 35, the year's best comic stories. So true. Issue for that year. That's where I read it, and my eight-year-old mind was somewhat embarrassed, but mostly intrigued by Firestorm's inventive solution to stop plastique. (laughs) It did did make the impression, speaking of what, it did make quite the impression on me. I began to think of this year's best issues as rather dirty material, since the previous year's stories included (laughs) New Teen Titans number eight, where Starfire, Shag's favorite, changes into her costume in a public park. <laughs> I used to love those best issues, those best years, best digests. Those were so much fun. Years, best titillation. Oh, those are great. Uh, and he also sent us a comment about episode seventy nine, Galactic Guardians. I want more. Put me down for more commentaries. You guys have decades of Super Friends fun to plumb. Since Firestorm got the spotlight here, might I suggest the time trap from Challenge of the Super Friends, where Aquaman gets to shine? Is that is that the one I keep asking you about? Uh, the, the one with the um, the, half life of yeah, the half life. Uh, they, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I love it. That's a Bob Haney story that he never wrote. Um, <laughs> he writes, "I totally agree with you on B.J. Ward's Wonder Woman. Between her voice and using the JLGL PBHN designs, Wonder Woman definitely got an infusion of the sexy this season." I think Ward voiced Wonder Woman on her one-off guest appearance on Ruby Spears' Superman show a few years later. As a kid, I loved hearing West, Adam West as Batman, but I can kind of see Shag's point. I still liked him better than Alan's Olin Soul. Uh, I always thought he sounded old, even in the filmation tunes in early Super Friends seasons. And he was old. I liked him better as Professor Stein. And finally, he says, I hate to be Captain Bringdown, but Rob, there is no superpowers card at Aquaman going from Mattel. Just soups, bats, Wonder Woman, gold soups, GL Riddler, new mix-up lick, and collect and connect Calabac. It sucks, I know, sorry. But look at it this way. You don't have to shell out $30 for a $15 at best action figure. I'm probably in for Batman. I'm a born sucker. <laughs> I thought there was an Aquaman. Yeah, me too. Me too. Oh, huh. Again, it's $30. I get this. Uh, he talks about Aquaman. Uh, on the Aquaman transcript of episode 80. Dang, Mira has got some hips. Just look at her in that dress. Nice to see that Pelletier remembers her original Cardi dimensions. <laughs> she brought the sexy to that high school reunion. I mean, there is no doubt about that. I did not make the connection to Nick Cardi, but uh, that is true because, like, Nick Cardi's mirror was very curvy. So, yeah, that's uh, interesting. That's it's good, and you know, it's it's good. She's not like a little stick. She's actually got some right. curves to her. So, good on well, Paul she- Pelletier. If she was based on the uh, Nick Cardi um, one, we'll have to see if you can see her feet at the reunion. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, folks, uh, as I said, we just kind of cherry-picked some of the comments there. Now we are going to jump into the social medias. So, uh, Rob, I'm going to go ahead and read Tumblr if you want to take Instagram after that. Sure. All right, folks, uh, these are folks who gave us some support over on Tumblr. We appreciate it. Keep in mind, Tumblr is full of crazy names, so these sort of don't make sense. But anyway, 1977 JB. Almost Gotham, Aquaman is cool. Oh yeah, Bat, Brave and Bold, Bat Caroline, Blaker Sims Comics, Blendover, Captain Communist, Catherine Nerds, Comics, Comics, Daredevil Podcast, 
Derek Martin Campbell, Highball 2814, Hot Saucery, I love that, Luke Dobb, Maximum Willpower, Mr. Perturbed, Mr. Will Mott Mumble, Tumbles, Osborne Pumpkin Bombs, Paul Loves Comics, Red Hot Lava, Ryan Daly Comics, Shazam Historama, Stone Gorgon, Super Chuck 1980, The Pedrozilla, Tic Tac 926, Tosuji Tunes, which is Jeffrey Brown, which, by the way, has been one of our longest-standing supporters over on Tumblr, and huge, huge thanks to him. Every once in a while, he'll send me a message through Tumblr, and I always forget there's like a mail service in there, so I don't respond for like three months. I feel bad. So, uh, Wasabi Punk and Zagos. Uh, over on Instagram, Aaron J, Action Vicar Collector, uh, Ant0925, which is Anthony, Audrey Giget Gazelle, Bailey Ewing, Batman, just Batman, that's great. <laughs> Victoria Chase, Ben Caddy, Bobby Pickles, Bradley Sawyer, Bro D. Walker, Buck Rowlett, by fans of DC Comics, Callum Nauer, Cameron Rios, Captain Ash, Carlos Huezo, Carson, Charlie at UMBC81, Chris Sanchez, Cody with a comic binding, Coffee and Comics, CW Flash, Damink, Daniel Ragno, David McNeil, DC Dill, DC History, DC Universe Games, Diana Zaya, D.D. Goo, Diego Ojeda, Don and Ron Williams. I think those are the guys from Bat- uh, from The Dark Knight. Dude from Wales, E. Mater, <laughs> the Astrophysic. Uh, F- took, me, took me a minute to get that. <laughs> <laughs> Don, don't ship. Uh, F.G.J.K.L.Q. 86. You got to change that name, dude. Freestyle 13. Jason, Dr. Nevermore. Jason, Kendall Kennington. Jeremy, Jeremy Harmon at Broncos Dude 1987. John Olson. Jose, Superboy1, Justin Williams, Kal-El, Samra, Keith G. Baker, Ken Deemer, Killer Frost, Lucas Zork, Luke Dobb again, Maxo Romero, Mercer First, Mr. Toy Guy, Nerd Nook, Nerd United, Official Jackie Chan, <laughs> <laughs> Papa Sideburn, Powers on Me, Rad Chipmunk, Roseanne at Blaha Roseanne, Ryan DC2814, Sobey Joe Art, The Joe Comic Fan, Tom Davis, Travis Fowler, and Yehuda Prime. Now, I got to give a shout out for two more people over there on Instagram, Bradley Null and GeekGirl89. Both have been kind enough to post stuff related to our show on the t- on uh, Instagram using the hashtag FWPodcast. Thank you to you guys. And dude, I got to totally share this. Okay. They haven't commented on anything yet, but guess who's f- following Firestorm fan on Instagram? Uh, another porn actor? I actress? shit you – no. Well, I hope. I shit you not. Sebastian Shaw from Skid Row, the band. <laughs> uh, like, first I saw it, I'm like, no. It's got to be – oh, my God, it is. Isn't he a member of the Hellfire Club? Uh, maybe. But, I mean, it's legitimately Sebastian Shaw. Now, he's a big comic book fan. He always had it. So I'm like, oh, my God. So I got to figure out – I got to, like, take a picture of Firestorm with the Youth Gone Wild <laughs> – album or something i don't know no but don't go contact it in people because i don't want him to leave and stop following but you know anyway. i want to scare him off right i love skid row all right uh now did you notice how long that list of folks was from instagram that's a big list that's crazy so you need to get on there i mean you're technically on there you probably don't even know i tag you all the time uh but i know you don't even log into it do you no <laughs> Speaking of places you don't ever log into, next up is Google+. Dude, I barely log into Twitter. What are you doing to me? Oh, <laughs> if it weren't for Joe, you'd have no... It wasn't for Joe. I, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll wait a minute. Let's, all right, I know. Go ahead. You're, Google. All, you're all over Facebook, your mom's social media network. So, um, <laughs> Google+. Plus. <laughs> we heard from... I uh, got support from Adam Ackerman, Alexander Osias, Andrew Bees, Andrew, uh, Andrew Capellish, 
Ant M, Ben Avery, Black Canary Fan, Brian Miller, who, by the way, former colorist on Firestorm, Byron Spellman, Camden Hazapor, Carlos Alamillo, Cassier, Comic Book and Movie Reviews, Dale Russell, Ed Crosby, Emily Sierra, or Sarah, Eric DeFratis, Fortuno, Fortunato Cedillo, Gene Hendricks, who, by the way, on Google Plus is kind of funny. He posted some chicken wings he was cooking, and he had steamed them, and then he baked them, so he called them uh, fire and water wings. Anyway, uh, Jen Prime Dewan, Hilton Riviera, Jeffrey Brown, Jim Barrows, Joe Rentera, John D. Grathwald Jr., Juan Manuel Patione, Carlos Brosides. I am terrible at this. Keechee Baker was kind enough to post some stuff on his own wall of Fire and Water, supporting Fire and Water. Thank you so much. Keith Schwartz, Kevin Culp, Kevin Wendlin, Corbin Hughes, La Cueva Nerd, also posting stuff for us. Thank you. Luke Dobb, Luke Giaconetti, Mario Zuniga, Martin Gray, Max Romero, Michael Wagner, Michelle uh, Revillo, Nick Castillo, Noah Michael, Oscar Olelelelelele, Quantum Bands, uh, Rady Radster, uh, Rodney Haggerty, Siskoy, The Hammer Strikes, Tim Wallace, Tom Tyson, Tyrone Red, Ulysses Valdez, Vijay Krishman, and Wayne Berry Jr. Woof! Got to get my breath. Um, some of the comments over there on Google Plus were worth mentioning, too. Martin Gray, uh, I, I made a comment a few issues back <laughs> where I was talking about these retroactive issues. And I said, you know, because I, I letter made me laugh. I, lo- I love the DC retroactive stuff, and I really thought they should do more. Oh. And I said they could bring the old guys back. And I said, you know, if they're trying to save money, they don't even have to pay the old guys' current rates. They could just pay them cheaper. You're not thinking about what I'm saying because often I don't think about what I say. People will say, you said this? And I'm like, I had no idea. Anyway, he says, quote, they're bringing back old, they can bring, they're bringing back old creators so it's not like they have to pay them modern-day rates. He wrote, oh, Shag, <laughs> you do make me laugh. What a miser you are. Love the annual retroactive idea, though. <laughs> I do. I have to say, I really laugh when he wrote about when the others show up in Aquaman, it's a great time to chance to see some dosh. Does anyone but Rob like this bunch of no marks? Oh, <laughs> I just like, like the phrase no marks. <laughs> choice of language. That's good. Um, Max Romero wrote, you and Rob produced two of my favorite comic blogs and definitely my favorite podcast, period. The unapologetic enthusiasm you have for Firestorm and Aquaman and comics in general is great. And you remind me why I fell in love with comics in the first place. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Max. You, you stumbled onto the secret of our show. That is what we go for is the enthusiasm. So that makes me happy. Um, Gene Hendricks on the issue where Aquaman fought the – what's the name of that giant beast? What's the that Karakwan. Good job. There you go. He says, Aquaman with an eye beam for the win. <laughs> I love that. And Dale Russell, when, I ta- when, I, when talking about him uh, talking about Firestorm disintegr- basically transmuting – Plastic's clothes and leaving her naked, he said that should always be Firestorm's first move. Make all clothes disappear. It would be an excellent distraction and would improve comic book sales. <laughs> awesome. And Martin Gray does believe I'm correct in that uh, Jeff Parker is working his way to a new creature king in that scuba diver Coombs. Hmm. Mm. Twitter. I'm going to leave you Facebook, my friend. How's okay. that sound? All right. Uh, over on Twitter, just four people I want to give uh, thanks to real quick off the top. We, we heard from four creators, um, or gave us support, I should say. We got support from Jerry Conway himself. We got support from Jeff Parker himself. We got support from, I don't even think you're, this isn't the version you've seen, Rob, but Michelle, or Michelle, I think it's like yeah, Michelle, Michelle, yeah. Michelle Fief. Uh, he's been listening to the show for a while, and I didn't realize until I was flipping through a previous catalog, he's about to write an uh, speaking of Avengers titles, he's about to write the all-new Ultimates. 
I had no idea. So awesome. And then, of course, Tom Zoller, who uh, is the creator behind Love and Capes. So thanks to those guys. Thanks to some of the creators uh, involved. I have to interrupt you and say you have no idea of the the havoc you've unleashed by including Tom Zoller in a list with (laughs) Carrie Conway, Jeff Parker, and Michelle Fieve. Tom's 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 ego was not a fragile thing back at Cubert, <laughs> and I imagine it's only grown more so. So by including him on this list, you have effectively opened the trench uh, again. So, well done, Shag. Well done. Great. <laughs> Glad I could help. If none of you in Ohio see the sun, it's because Tom's head is blocking out all the sun's rays. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Glad you guys are tight. All right. Uh, Going to go through this list pretty quick. Hard one. It's a hard one knowledge. <laughs> there's a really big list of folks who support us on Twitter. You guys are awesome. Uh, so, going to give thanks to Professor Alan Middleton, Alexander Adrock, Andy Capellish, Ang, Anthony Durso, Aquaman Talk, Aqua Sam, Atomic Tony, Azrael Aaron, Bill Bailey, Bola... What? Uh, Bola Del Boar. I don't know. Sorry, man. Ruined it. Brandon, broadcast, uh, broadcast Thought, Buck Rowlett, C. Drizzle, Chris, Corey Hodgden, Count Dracula, David Golding Artist, David Gutierrez, David Morgan, Derek Scott, Diablo Frank, Doug Zawiza, Dustin Stouffer, uh, E, I'm sorry, E, E, ah, you never say this, L. Perrin, Eddie G, Eduardo Escobar, Elfie May, Eric Ridgway, Fantastiverse, Gal Gadot. That is not the real Gal Gadot. It's like a fan network. Or <laughs> I was like, at first I was like, no, what? Oh, uh, Harris CC, Hector Negrete, Holy Geekdom, Ito, J. David Weeder, J. Strangechild, Justin Guerton, J. Jones, Jeremiah Parker, Jermaine, sorry, Jermaine Lindsay, Jesse Lorenz, Joe Slab, Hick, Julian David Acuna, Keith, Kichi Baker, Ken RW4L. I think he was one of the droids in Star Wars. Con L. <laughs> Cord Industries. He's got a bad Kyle. motivator. Look. <laughs> Kyle Benning. Leo Cohen. Lily Raymond. Lauren Skinskis Art. Lucien Tassar. Luke Dobb. Luke Giaconetti. Mark Paws. Martin Gray. Marvel Girl. Matisse D'Angelo. Matthew Selby. Max Romero. Michael Bailey. Michael Wagner. Mike Bice. I had to scroll down. Michael McLarty, Nate, Nate Winchester, Newspaper Comics 2012. Oh, you're slipping yourself in there, Rob? Really? Okay. <laughs> Actually, I don't even run that anymore. My brother-in-law does it, so it technically counts as a different person. Fair enough. New York McCon, Nylonis, Oscar Amador, Oscar Olode, Ololode, Patrick Story, Paul Bowler, PlaidStallions.com. That's awesome. Randy Caldwell, Raymond T. Bo- Jocks. Rod Pruitt, Ross Persall, Ryan McSwain, Ryan Wing, Savior of Humanity. Thank goodness. Scott Keys, Shadowhawk, Sharkenstein Brewery. Awesome. <laughs> Siskoid, Speed Force, Stuff Like That Podcast, The Flash Podcast, Tony D, Tower of Fate, Vitamin Psy, Wastehoid Hoth, Wayne Hall, Weird Science DC Blog, and Zach Dorman. Now, speaking of Tom Zoller, and uh, he, he and I were going back and forth on, on Twitter because um, we did the DC Comics Presents episode. You just lost all sense of uh, keeping it I was just waiting for you to make another grandiose comparison. Speaking of Tom Zoller, I was looking at Will Eisner's books the other day. No, no, I'm about to make fun of Tom Zoller, so it should make you feel better. So the DC Comics Presents episode, we talked about how Firestorm created this animated statue of Superman who talked and fought. 
And I said, that's nice. Super, you know, nobody has that power in the room, so I don't know how they did that. So he actually pulled out uh, his nerd hat and kind of said, well, you know, he's, Firestorm's used power is similar to and when he fought Multiplex and kind of went back and forth. We went back and forth about how making these objects appear alive is sort of something Firestorm can do. And maybe Superman used his super ventriloquism to make it work. And basically, I just said, you're really trying for that no prize, aren't you? <laughs> and he says, I'm not trying to be that guy. He goes, but the 10-year-old me had the same problem with this DC Comics Presents story. Worked hard to figure it out. Now, making the Superman statue talk, that has always got to be super ventriloquism. He said, DC Comics Presents was his first and favorite title and actually reviewed every issue once the cancellation notice came through. Hmm. Luke Dobbs sent us a funny, funny picture. Uh, he took a picture of Firestorm and Aquaman with, like, Martian Manhunter sneaking up behind him. And he says, he reminds me of the time when <laughs> Diablo Frank photobombed us on the podcast. <laughs> uh, Lucien Dessar said, I can't believe Dan Jurgens is writing Aquaman and the Others and, um, what is it called, Future's End. It's a fire and water miracle. <laughs> uh, Ryan Daly, who goes by Count Drunkular, wrote us, he said, now, I, we, we were trying to come up with a list of people that had written both Firestorm and mm-hmm. Aquaman because we were trying to figure out who, you know, wins that award. Jerry Conway, we said, uh, Jeff Johns, uh, Dan Jurgens, and we were kind of tapping out. On John Ostringer has. Oh, John Ostringer. Very good. Okay, good point. And he said Pete Tomasi co-wrote Brightest Day with Jeff Johns, so he wrote Aquaman and Firestorm simultaneously. I would actually disagree with you there. Yes, Pete Tomasi was a co-writer of the book, but as I understand it, the story was sort of compartmentalized. Like, Jeff wrote the Firestorm and Aquaman stuff, and Pete wrote the Hawkman and Martian Manhunter stuff. That's my understanding. So, you're wrong, sir, is what I'm going with. Anyway. Uh, let's see. He also said that his our commentary got him got him wondering my side on, on the Super Galactic Guardians episode. Got him wondering why Cyborg and Firestorm were never better friends. Both were young for the League, but a little older for the Titans. It would have been an interesting partnership. He said, is it because uh, Marv Wolfman and, and Jerry Conway knew that 30 years later, the Fire and Nano Circuitry podcast would sound silly? <laughs> Maybe so. Heard from Buck Rowlett, who's been, uh, who, um, when we did the soundtrack episode, he said, can't get that Firestorm song out of my head. I'll tell you, that Luke Dobb Firestorm song, it is burned into my skull. I cannot get out of my My, my daughter sings it. My, my eight-year-old daughter walks around the house singing that Luke's Firestorm song. I love it. Heard from J. David Weeder. He said that um, in regard to Justice League 3000, he said, if the 31st century Firestorm does turn out to be wildfire, I will cry to the heavens with joy. A perfect union. Then Oscar they sent us this awesome picture. It's this meme going around where you, you get this little dude, and he's like, um, let me bring it up real quick. He's going, when your family member compliments me. He goes, yeah, that's fine. And he's just got a kind of a standard face. He goes, when my friends compliment me, he gets all shy and blushy. He goes, oh, stop, you're too kind. And he says, when my name is featured on the Firewater podcast, it's got the guy just crying in tears. <laughs> I can die happy now. So, I love it. We're a meme. We're a meme, by God. Then there's this wonderful correspondence that went back and forth between C. Drizzle and uh, Diablo Frank. C. Drizzle says, my earbuds finally died. I'm seriously jonesing for some Fire and Water podcast right now. Diablo Frank came back and said, that's weird. I was denied Fire and Water podcast when my car stereo refused to read tracks on the drive on the way home tonight. And C. Drizzle's response brought it all home. Perhaps it's a conspiracy by some guy who runs a Slipknot podcast. I need to point out that C. Drizzle is one of my my best pals, Corey, and uh, he listened to all... Uh, 16 or 17 who's who's back to back to back to back to back. Uh, and yeah, and, and he was emailing me throughout the day at work 
telling me how far he's gotten. Hey, I'm up to the I'm up to the E's. I'm up to the G. So, yeah, crazy craziness that he awesome. would even do this. Yes, but uh, so thank thank you for that. Super, he jumped into the pool like not not even hip deep, like neck deep or eyebrow deep or something <laughs> like that. I mean, he just went completely crazy. So well. As much as, as we compliment Corey, there's someone who jumped a little bit deeper we'll talk about in just a minute. Yes. Well, there's one other thing I want to point out about Corey is that uh, uh, as we were recording this, there was a social activity that I was invited to involving Corey, and I couldn't go to it because I'm here recording. Oops. So, I, you know, Corey wanted me to go to this thing, but he also wants a new episode of the Fire Water Podcast, so I don't know which is Sophie's choice there, Corey. Oh, I think he wants a new episode of Who's Who, to be specific. Well, he's listen- he wants a new episode. That's, that's the email I saw. <laughs> he he wants new episodes of, of either show, or any show, actually, that we're doing. Okay. So. It's going to be Rob reading from the Amazon catalog. Don't worry. It's going to be great. Don't you mock it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Well, now we're going li- to do the list of the people from the older set, which is Facebook. Uh, everybody here is over it's your, 50. It's your mom's social media is what mom's the kids call media, it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Aaron Bias, Abel Badilla, Alan Middleton, Albert Miranda, Alexander Adrock, Andy Capellish, Andy Durso, uh, Anthony Durso, excuse me, Arthur Canning, Arthur Cazada, Bill Bailey, Bill Tucker, Brad O'Leary, Bradley Austin Null, Bradley Lever, Carlos Guimares, Carlos Muka, Carlos Rodriguez, Chad Argabright, Chris Hayes, Christopher J. Warden, Corey Hodgden, who's had a really rough week. Uh, no kidding. Uh, so we're thoughts, uh, all good thoughts for uh, for Corey this week. Cosm- hang, hang, hang in there, buddy. Yeah. Cosmic Cat, Daniel Cynical Adams, Daniel Rollum, uh, David Foster, David Gutierrez, David Hooray, David J. Dixon, DC in the 80s page, Emmanuel Jesus Villanueva, uh, Eugene Hendricks, Firestorm, the Nuclear Man fan page, Giancarlo Nurko, Hammer Strikes, Harlan Freilicker, Hector Negrete, J. David Weeder, Jason Jones, Jeffrey Brown, Joel Riviora, I think, John Godwin, Joseph Kimbler, who, uh, Ju- uh, Julian Gonzalez Arkiaga, Keith G. Baker, Keith Mason, Ken Deemer, Kevin Culp, Colt Marquardt, Kevin, uh, Kyle Benning, Lucas Garrett, Lucien Desar, Luke Dobb, Mario Lingoski, I think, maybe I'll be back, Michael Bailey, Mike Fedek, Mike Gillis, Mose Gamin Dupont, Negative Steve Mandel, Nikki Simpson, Oscar Olade, Peter L. Peter E. Guaracio, I think. <laughs> not, so, not so easy, is it? I not even say it's easy. Quantum, although I can say nuclear. Uh, Quantum <laughs> Bands, Randy Meyer, Rick Weiss, Robert Gross, Rod Pruitt, Rodrigo Martinez, Roger Pree, Ronnie Ling, Russell Burbage from Littleville, Wyoming, Ryan Wings, Scott Cosby, Sean Corey, Sean Brock, Chester A. Maya, Siskoid, The Hammer Strikes, once again, they're on here twice, Thomas, <laughs> Thomas, Thomas Fuse, Tim Wallace, Wagner Oliveira, William Boyd, William Byrne, and Zeb Oswald. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy your retirement. <laughs> Uh, Professor Alan Middleton uh, gave us a compliment when we talked about uh, the casting of Wonder Woman. He said, wow, you guys talked about the casting of Wonder Woman in a reasonable and intelligent manner. Congratulations, and thanks for the shout-out on the Quarterman podcast. You know, I'm not sure if I failed to say on that episode, but she is hot. So um, that was just to undermine all of that positive comment Alan gave us. I so. uh, heard from Robert Gross and Harlan Freilicker. I think I said it wrong again, didn't I? Anyway, I talked a little bit about this Nickelodeon show where they had this line that says, I deny you the nidus. And both Robert and Harlan came back with a 
vast amounts of information about the show called Into the Labyrinth, which I really appreciate, guys. It brought back so many memories, um, and it just it, it was really cool. I'm glad I'm not the only one who remembers it out there. When I said there was nothing in the Internet about it, it truth is it was, it was a few years ago when I looked last. And now when you guys send me those links, you're like, it's just there's tons of stuff out there. You can watch episodes of the show. It's great. So thank you, guys. I really appreciate that. Uh, we got a comment from Bob Fisher. He says, uh, in terms of me getting uh, Mike Bailey to do the synopses, he says, very creative way to avoid awkward stumbling over a comic book summary. I'm sending Michael Bailey my list of comics. See, now, <laughs> I, I think I was proved right in the last episode because I completely missed that fairly obvious plot point, and that's because I was reading it. So, you know, if Mike had done it, we wouldn't have had that problem. You did just fine. Um, we heard from J. David Weeder. He said, I will say it, Mara is hotness rolled up in a sexiness tortilla and smothered with titillating salsa. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better my, myself, my friend. Well done. Well done. Heard from our buddy Michael Bailey. Um, he just, he's, he was, Michael's been really nice about helping promote our show lately and really appreciate that, Mike. Thank you so much. Uh, Luke Dobb, one of the first batches of comics I bought was on a camping trip with my friend Andrew. We bought them from the campground general store. God, back when comics were general stores. At night, we take turns. At night, we take turns holding the flashlight for each other while the other one read. How awesome is that? Since I blew all my money, my parents gave me for food on comics. I had Andrew to keep them at the house. Uh, about a year later, Andrew felt the draw of athletics, and we parted ways. And the comics went home with me. That was one of the first friends I lost due to a widening chasm of interests. I wasn't picked on for liking superheroes. I was just forgotten. Any popularity I had was due to my artistic talents. They were my way of showing the world and myself that I mattered. That's my nerd sob story. That was great. That was yeah. really great. I really That's, appreciate uh, you sharing hey Kids that. Volume 2, Luke. I know. I tell you, it's great. Um, he sent that to me in a private message on Facebook. Hope you don't mind that I shared that with everyone in the world. So, um, I, you know, it's uh, talked about comics at the general store and stuff like that. I actually saw some comic books in Toys R Us this weekend. I yes, was so they are at Toys R Us. Yeah, they yep. do sell them there, yeah. That's perfect. It's where, you know, you go to where the kids are. It's mm -hmm. great. I uh, heard from Abel, uh, I'm sorry, Abel Padilla said, nice of you and, and Rob to help Mr. Bailey get a little ratings bump. You and Rob are like the waning Garth of comic book podcasting. Party on, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure. I think it might have gone the other way around as far as ratings bumps go, but thank you for that. Love that. Heard from Alan Leach Jr. said, Fire and Water has quickly become one of my favorite podcasts. I just want to let Rob and Chag know that my three-year-old loves Firestorm and Aquaman thanks to the Super Friends. I just got him the 60s Filmation Aquaman series for his birthday, and he's really digging it. Nice. He, lo he loves his Imagine X Aquaman figure, and the only problem is he wants to play with Dad's superpowers, Aquaman and Firestorm. <laughs> Don't touch! <laughs> Let me tell you, my, my heart broke about a week ago. We were in, uh, I guess it was Toys R Us maybe. Either way, we were walking down the aisle and all the Imagine X stuff was there. And I was showing my daughter. I'm like, look, there's Aquaman. And she goes, Daddy, where's Firestorm? I was like, oh, <laughs> they, they don't make him, honey. So It's very sweet that she thought of it. Though. It was. She's, she's very generous and thoughtful that way. Um, heard from, you said it a minute ago. I can't really say this, but Mo, Mose Gaiman DuPont. Um Commented about Mose, um, I think it's Mose Gavin Dupont. Thank you. Um, said as someone from that talking about plastique. Sorry, uh, as someone from that part of the world, plastique is Kaba The Z sound is because she is female. If she was male, it would be the same, but without the Z sound. Um, another interesting note: her last name means "without worry." Hmm. Very now interesting. You know. Now you so. know. Oh, we have so many Canadian listeners. Blows my mind. Then uh, Mark Kalmbach. He sent this. He posted this really cool picture on Facebook. It's a Firestorm and Aquaman hanging out, 
And I love that Firestorm's got earbuds in and he's listening to a podcast. That's sweet. Absolutely love that. All right. Here it is, folks. Uh, something we haven't done this for a little while, but it is time to award the most coveted prize in podcasting, the Steam Award. This is an award that goes out to listeners that have either gone above and beyond and done something incredibly cool in the realm of Firestorm and Aquaman or related to the podcast. It's, this is an important award, and it is as tangible as Steam is. So uh, this time, actually, we're awarding two of them. Can you believe it, Rob? Two Steam Awards? <laughs> two times zero, still zero. <laughs> the first one goes out to Mr. And this is his real given name from birth, Mr. Negative Steve <laughs> Mandel. That's right, Mr. Negative Steve Mandel recently uh, sacked up and got on stage and did some stand-up comedy. Dude, I'd open mic night. I am so impressed by this. I There's no way I'd have the courage to do this. But he got up, and Firestorm featured prominently in his material. <laughs> he also dropped some F-bombs and took some cheap shots at Aquaman. So, sir, my hat is off to you, and I thought your stand-up was very good. So, well done, sir. And the second Steam Award goes to a man, well, we might want to be talking about in the past tense because I think he's lost his mind, uh, Mr. Michael A. Wagner. Congratulations, sir. He probably won't hear this for a while because he's currently working his way through our back catalog and has just finished, as of a couple days ago, 58 episodes of the Fire and Water Podcast. That's why I wasn't trying to knock Corey's achievement of 16 Who's Who podcast, but I think Michael... It's, it's kind of outdone him. Uh, 58 in just a few weeks, episodes of the Fire and Water podcast. And I just want to say um, just a couple different things he said. And he's been posting about these on Twitter, by the way. So if you check out his Twitter, it's Michael A. Wagner. He's got a Booster Gold uh, uh, avatar. He, uh, one, of, one of his comments says, uh, Aquaman Shrine is killing me with his usage of the term pipe laying. I have a totally <laughs> different meaning than you do. See, Rob, it's not just me. Every time you say pipe laying, I just cringe. It is not. Just say info dump. Pipe laying is something entirely different. <laughs> oh, yeah, info that, dump. Way better. That most of us want to do with plastique. But anyway, um, now here's a perfect example of Michael Wagner going above and beyond and why we should all feel pity for him. He sent a tweet. That said, Fire and, Fire and Water Podcast, episode 50. This is, by the way, episode, just so you know, Fire and Water episode number 50 was a four-hour marathon <laughs> we did with Diablo Frank covering DC Sampler. It started as interesting, at least I thought it was somewhat interesting, and turned into some weird, bizarre, mental anguish. And by the end, it was just us laughing. I mean, we lost our minds. Anyway, um... So, he writes a tweet, says, episode 50, best episode yet, laughing so much, should do a Fire Water Frank show, All right? A few hours later, get a tweet, Firewater Podcast episode 50 was, was an endurance psychological test, <laughs> heading to Arkham now, bye-bye. <laughs> and I haven't seen many tweets from him since. I think we broke him. I think so, he's sharing the same cell block as uh, Jack Dower. He could be. Could, we didn't hear from Jack Dower. What the hell's that about? Well, you only get so much, you know, so, many mail, so much mail goes out of that place at any one time. And, you know, by the way, Jack, if you're listening to this, you need to go check out the latest episode of Taking Flight, which is a Robin podcast because it's all about Penguin. Anyway, um, so congratulations, Steam Awards to Negative Steve Mendel and Michael A. Wagner. You guys are awesome. Well done. And that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Fire and Water Podcast, folks. Um, Rob, tell them where our Tumblr is. Fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com. Yep. I have no idea, other than pictures of the action figure, what I'm going to put out there for this episode, but I'll try and find something relevant. 
We should and, post uh, a link to that stand-up comedy act. Oh, that's a good idea. Good thought. Good thought. Okay. We could do that. So, folks, um, please talk to us on the social media. Leave comments on the website. Give us some iTunes reviews. Seriously, like, actually, this is a plea. There's been a while since we've had any iTunes reviews. So if you don't mind, hop on out there. Give us some iTunes reviews. They really help raise the profile of the show and helps Matchheads and Aquanauts find each other. So um, anytime you're on the social medias, though, be sure to use the hashtag PoundFWPodcast. You can find Rob over on Firestorm. I'm sorry. Uh, you can find Rob at AquamanShrine.net. You can also find him on Facebook and Twitter under the same handle. You can find Firestorm Fan at FirestormFan.com. You can find under the same handle on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google+, and Tumblr. Couldn't figure that one out. <laughs> Rob, if they want to send us emails, where do they send those? Firewaterpodcast at Comcast.net. There it is. And, folks, once again, you are the single best podcast listening community in the cosmos, and you have our deepest appreciation. And uh, I just really enjoy you know, sort of virtually hanging out with y'all and having really cool comic shop geek talk. Thank you so much. With that, fan the flame and ride the wave. Bye. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them. Even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land and air. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah! is that I'm not actually a standard nerd. Most of your nerds like Star Wars or Harry Potter or Batman. No, not me. That's too easy. You know, I've got to like Firestorm or Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> now, if you're in the music industry and you like stuff that no one's heard about before, you're a hipster. But there is no such thing as a nerd hipster. There are nerds and they're colossal nerds. <laughs> and the colossal nerds are trying to come up with a new term so they don't have to deal with me either. <laughs> it's a rough life being a colossal nerd. If you like Batman, it's really easy to find other Batman fans, and you can all run off and have your little Batman fan adventures like they do. If you like Firestorm, you don't really have that many choices. You, the, the one next time you meet a Firestorm fan, he might not shower much. Or he might be a or a Republican. And really, you gotta say what you forget, because he's the only one that's gonna listen to you discuss the careers of Ronnie Raymond versus Jason Ruff. So you guys are already falling asleep, and I just mentioned it once. <laughs>